This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Today, Dave and I are going to share our top five favorite nymphs and wet flies. In a recent podcast, we talked about nymphing for beginners. It was nymphing 101, how you do it. But what fly patterns do you use? It's good to identify a few basic nymphs and wet fly patterns to keep in your fly box at all times. So, do you have your list, Dave? I'm ready to go. All right, I do too. Before we present our list and discuss them, here are a few things to keep in mind. First, we're broadening the topic to any wet flies that we dead drift like a nymph. Technically, a nymph is a particular form of an aquatic insect like a mayfly or a stonefly which bounces along the bottom of the river and eventually emerges to the surface. But there are some other kinds of wet flies that you will, uh, you'll fish the same way and so we're including those as well. Now, this doesn't include streamers like Dalai Lama's JJ Specials, and I'm even putting woolly buggers here. Uh, some would uh, consider those uh, nymphs, and that, that's fine. You can fish them like a nymph, but, but these streamers, you, you strip them through the water. Even if you dead drift a woolly bugger, which I know you've done before, Dave, and yep. I have too, you, you still strip it when you get to the end of that drift, where normally with a, a wet fly or a nymph, you get to the end of that drift and you might let it swing a little bit in the current, but, but you're done. Okay, third, uh, these are the flies we always have on our box and use unless there's a specific hatch going on and we want to imitate the nymphal or the pupa stage of some fly. But, but essentially, these are, the, these are the five flies that, that, that if we were limited to, we would, we'd use these. I, I remember Bob Granger saying that the better you get at fly fishing, uh, the fewer patterns you'll use. That's really counterintuitive. It because, really is. You know, when yeah. you go online and look at you know the flies you can purchase or walk into a fly shop, oh, you're thinking, yeah. "Holy cow! Oh, I'm never going to catch the fish I really need to catch." Yeah, and I it's need like oh, every one of these right. in my box. I'm not going to use the right fly. There's so many, but it's true. Uh, you'll you'll just use a couple patterns. It's like dry flies. I mean, if if you give me an elk hair caddis and a and a parachute Adams. You know, there, there's not yeah. too many things. Okay, maybe pale morning duns. It would be hard to imitate those. But, you know, those two flies, you're going to catch a lot of fish. And that's the same with wet flies. And obviously, this episode is predicated on the fact that it depends on where you're fishing and what, right. and what you're fishing for. Yeah, that's so true. So we're assuming that you're fishing in the east, in the driftless, in the midwest, in the, or in the west. And these are general nymphs that are almost like attractor patterns. Right, yeah, that's a great point, Dave. These are really attractor patterns. And uh, like you say, you can get into some more specific flies if there's a specific hatch going on. But uh, these work pretty well. One other thing I want to mention is we will use different sizes depending on the conditions. We're not going to get that technical today, although we, we may talk a little bit about size. But, hey, we understand size is critical. Yeah. What we're trying to focus on here are the patterns. All right, here we go. Let's, uh, let's each read our list, and then we can comment and criticize and mock each other for our choices. <laughs> Ready, Dave? I am. Give so me your top five. Here are my top five. So, I, and I've not stacked 
rank them. In other words, I'm just throwing down five and maybe I'll go back and say, well, here's number one and here's number two. So, I mean, the first one is the beadhead prince nymph. I mean, come on. I mean, if you've done any nymphing at all, you know that that's a good general attractor uh, nymph pattern. The second is the gold ribbed hare's ear. I love that. I'm not sure why, actually, but I use it a lot. And uh, the third is the copper john. I use that as a dropper uh, often. The fourth is the pheasant tail prince nymph, excuse me, the pheasant tail nymph. Uh, usually it's a bead head. And the fifth is the San Juan worm. And the San Juan is not a nymph technically, um, but I have caught so many fish on that that I just, I have to have that in my top yeah, five. Yeah, you have. Yeah, you really have. How about you, Steve? Okay, here are my five. Number one, same as yours, beadhead prince nymph. And we'll talk about why in a bit. Second, uh, Copper John, and, and I would probably add a red Copper John. I, I like that red color. Uh, third, I have a red fox squirrel nymph. Uh, fourth, I have uh, a spawn egg pattern. Uh, so good luck, Dave, when you're fishing out there uh, in the, the <laughs> Those spring. spawners in the spring. <laughs> yes, and you've forgotten your egg patterns. I'm not going to give you mine. <laughs> <laughs> and then number five, yeah, is the San Juan worm. And I, I put that down because that, that is such a good go-to pattern. Although, I almost left it off because I haven't, I haven't used it as much. I haven't caught as many trout as you have. You, you've, uh, you've had more success on that than I. Uh, it's a good fly. So tell me why on the Copper John you like the color. What does that mean? You know, I, I think it's just something I picked up from some of the guides out west and some of the guys I fished with. I, on the Madison, especially in the spring, uh, I will often use that as a dropper fly. And in a previous podcast, we talked about how you can have a lead fly and then uh, you can tie on some uh, tippet material on the end of that, some monofilament, and, and then tie a second fly, usually a smaller one. And I like that little... Uh, like a red copper john or any size, uh, any little red fly, um, I don't know how critical the, the color is. I mean, trout can distinguish color, but it's usually up front. Uh, might even be just the, uh, uh, just kind of the hue that, that it gives off in the water. But uh, there's something about those spawning rainbows and, and sometimes even the cutthroats that that, that that seems to, you know, I, I catch them on that maybe if I had a you know, a copper color that would work just as well. But something about that little red pattern that that's uh, that's good, and I like it in about a size 18. Yeah, makes it hard to tie on, but um... it, it does. Now, yeah, you know, there, there's as soon as we say a red copper John, you know, if if you stole all my red copper Johns and replaced them with red brassies, it wouldn't bother me a bit. I would uh, I'd use those. In fact. When I tie, I tie a red brassy. Why? Because it's easier. Um, all you do is you have, and, and I always use bead heads. That, that's another thing. Uh, over the years, I, I rarely fish with a nymph unless it's a, a bead head. I just like that bead head. I think it gives a little bit more action in the water. It's a little bit more weight. It might get it down more quickly. Again, you have to use split shot to get everything down, but, but you know, that those flies are you know a few inches below your split shot so even getting them down I, I just like a bead head so I'll tie a red brassy with a bead head uh, all that is is you have a bead head you have a little bit of peacock curl and then copper wire and I mean that that's all that there is 
So as you look at your list, I looked at my five, which are the Prince Nymph, the Golden mm-hmm. Hare's Ear, the Copper John, the Pheasant Tail, the San Juan. I, really, the Beadhead Prince Nymph, the Gold Rib Hare's Ear, and the Pheasant Tail really kind of function as that lead fly for you me. You know, that's exactly it. In fact, I, I kind of made a note here in my list under the Beadhead that I'd be fine interchanging that with a, you know, a Hare's Ear or, or a Pheasant Tail. You're right. These are all fairly uh, generic uh, attractor patterns. I mean, I know the beadhead was originally, uh, I'm sorry, the the prince nymph was originally a stonefly imitation, but it works as a mayfly nymph too. And and I, from what I remember, Bob Granger saying, uh, veteran fly fisher and guide in Montana, that there was a time where it seems like everybody was using the prince nymph and and kind of went away for a while and then it got reintroduced with that bead head and it became a hot fly again so yeah i i mean i think that's that's great in fact i find more flies along the river's edge you know that are that are in stumps or or tree branches you know sometimes you'll you'll run into some monofilament and there's a fly in the end man nine times out of ten it's a beadhead print so everybody yeah. else is using it there's so many nuances, like if you go to a fly shop or yeah. you go online, somebody has, for example, the pheasant tail, they tie it yeah. a certain way with right. the, you know, some extra color mm-hmm. or um, just some nuance to it. Yeah. So they call it mm-hmm. like Dave Getz's pheasant tail with, you know, uh, that's a little yep, bit longer that's right. than everybody else's, you know, or something the like Getz that. The I mean, pheasant tail, yeah, because you've used a little different color thread or you, you've tied in an extra piece of chenille or something and... Yeah, and, and, and those are fine. Sometimes I think it's just you want fish to see something different. Yeah. And that's the disadvantage of a beadhead prince. Yeah, everybody is using it. And, and after a while, I, I think just switching it up, yeah, use that pheasant tail. Or, or like you, I love that, uh, that uh, gold-ribbed hare's ear with a beadhead on it. You know, that was, that was developed, I think, to represent a stonefly emerger, but it works for emerging caddis. It looks like a... Can look like a tiny crayfish. It's just, it's just really buggy when you yeah, look at yeah, it. Yeah. So yeah. talk a little bit about the egg pattern and when you use that. Uh, you use it in the spring in yeah. the Madison when uh, the rainbows are spawning. Right, or in the fall. Or in the fall Same for thing browns. The browns. Right. Yep. Exactly. That's a. You would know, you ever use that any other time? You know, I I wouldn't. Um, maybe you could experiments if you catch any, but no. My general attractor pattern is going to be that that beadhead prince or the hare's ear, the pheasant tail. But I I would you but I use the egg pattern when I know that 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 I'm in spawning fish like a red or, where they're spawning right or or maybe it's right before right after the spawn but yeah when you know that it's the spring or the fall and you've got rainbows running in the spring you've got browns running in the fall that's when i'm going to use that now there are different kinds of egg patterns uh, i like one that that's actually tied with loops of uh of these strands of antron or zelon and it uh, you you it's like you tie these six loops together and then you kind of brush it with a toothbrush to rough it up and it kind of looks like a like a sack of eggs uh, that, that's uh, floated down river a little bit or kind of a wet afro yeah yeah exactly yeah that's what it looks like or there's another one called a scrambled egg pattern it's it's got kind of a dark 
uh, orange or red strip in the middle of this salmon or, or light orange color. But again, it's just trying to imitate, you know, eggs. And I, I know at times in the, uh, in the Madison, just outside the bear trap, just below the bear trap, uh, you know, you and I have both done really well. Uh, we put those things on as a lead fly. And then I'll usually drop that size 18, that little red Copper John. Uh, Copper John. And, you know, some days I catch 75% of them on, on the, the egg pattern, and other days it's on the Copper John. That's, I meant to uh, mention something about that, thinking about those, some of those wonderful days we've had in the spring. You're freezing out there, standing in waist-deep water. Yeah. And, and, and we, we hit that thing like a steelhead run. You and I just rotate yep. and, and mm-hmm. fish that run. And... Um, yeah, I think sometimes, 75% of the time, I'm catching it on the Copper John, even though I have my yeah, top fly or lead fly is the uh, is the It's really pattern. true. And is that just a regular copper-colored Copper John or a red No, it's one? the red. Usually okay. I get the red, but sometimes I have something that's more black, and I'll still, yeah. I'll still catch something off. Of yeah, it. that's so true. Sometimes if we're not if we're mm-hmm. in that run there and, we, and yep. I'm not catching, I'll just mix it up. I'll start mm-hmm. moving flies around. And um, sometimes I'll, I have caught fish on that day. You know, in mm-hmm. the spring, we're, yep. we're fishing for spawners. We have the egg pattern on, and I'm thinking, okay, we haven't caught anything for an hour here. And I'll switch to a beadhead print snip, and sometimes yep. I'll get something off of that. It's yeah, crazy. that's a crazy thing. And that's why I think pattern is not as important as size. And now that bigger, that lead fly in a, in a bead head, I kind of like a size 12 to 14. Yeah. Some guys will go as large as a 10. Uh, remember on your fly sizes, the larger or the, the smaller the number, the larger the fly. It's just, just the opposite of what you'd expect. So bigger fly, a 10 to a 14. But then that, then that tiny trailer fly, that little... Uh, you know, that, that little copper john, that's what I want in a size 18. Some guys will do a 16, that's okay, but I like an 18. And if you're a new fly fisher, you're going to look at that thing and say, there is no way, there is no way I'm going to catch a 20-inch you know, rainbow on this. They can't even see it. But I'll tell you what, they do. Yeah, it's amazing. They I re- do. remember a day with our mutual friend Dave when I was on the Madison, one of the best days I've ever had on the Madison. It was snow was coming down, and they were coming off and hitting these, you know, midges that were coming off. And yeah. We fished tiny, tiny. I think I think Dave may have been fishing a 20, size 22. Yeah. Of course, he was catching more fish the than I was, too. dry flies at that point, yeah, though, right? Were, right, yeah, right, right, right. Those still, were not nymphs. Yeah, there was dry but still, flies, but they're yeah. size 22. That's I mean, just think unbelievable. About that. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't think I could see to tie those on. I'd have to get that magnifying glass <laughs> thingy that you put on the bill of your cap so that you can see <laughs> oh man so let's see what else do we have here yeah you talked about the san juan worm that's pretty simple i mean it's just a little piece of uh, of red chenille and, and you've met you've mentioned this many times uh something you tie easy to tie yeah i buy steve ties <laughs> i buy hey i'll sell you some at, at half price dave <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> but those are great yeah. so again what are they imitating yeah just worm right yeah exactly yeah. floating down the old river it feels a little bit like catfish you know or bass yeah. fishing mm-hmm. but i'm not too there might be some purists out there that yeah. go i would never allow a san juan right. to, or san juan worm. Yeah. Might, but i'm like mm, not me no i mean we we have our worm and bobber don't we <laughs> yes, our, we our do. strike <laughs> indicator and our san juan worm it's, <laughs> it sounds more sophisticated but that's really all that it is Hey, you know, one other I, I should mention is that red fox squirrel nymph. 
Now that is a, that's specifically a caddis imitation, so it works really well in the West, but caddis flies throughout the summer, I mean, we talk about the Mother's Day caddis hatch on the Yellowstone, that's really the first wave, but you get a lot of caddis throughout the summer, and I like that. What it is, uh, the the fly, the, the thing that's unique about it, the thorax part, uh, you know, right behind the head, uh, the thorax uh, is this these tufts of uh, red fox squirrel hair and when that gets wet it's in the water it kind of pulsates so it just gives a little bit different look again it's a you know it's a bead head I, I like the bead head and uh, I'm amazed. I've done well I don't know that I, I've probably used that through all the years I may mm-hmm. have used yeah used it maybe right five times yeah. that's just it's not a fly it's not yeah. a go-to fly which am. shows that you don't have to it, it is a little bit more specialized and and i've done better with it in the yellowstone in april i remember one day uh, uh catching a couple really nice 16 inch uh, rainbows uh, just right off the bat and before the hatch kind of hit and they they were feeding on that wow uh, so it's it's a good fly but but you're right you don't have to use something that specific you know dave is there anything else that you know we've each given our top five but anything else that you might add any that would get an honorable mention you know the brassies you know yeah um, i've used those you you know would you replace your copper john with Mm -hmm. those those just tiny brassies yeah those Mm -hmm. um are really important mm-hmm. and it's nice to have a few of those in your fly box or a bunch of them in your fly yeah, box that really is the caddis pupa you know the mm-hmm. actual caddis pupa i have a few yeah. of those flies um, that's a good it's a good um, idea you know, so that's why you don't need the red right. fox squirrel exactly. then. you're using exactly. the caddis pupa which i hope for our listeners you realize that all this proves is all you need are just a few basic patterns and, and if you get out there on a day when when there's going to be caddis hatching it's right before the hatch if you have the right size, it doesn't matter if you use a red fox squirrel nymph or a, cute, or a caddis pupa pattern, you, you're going to catch fish on that. You know, one thing I should mention too, and you mentioned that red brassy, is, well, should you get a copper john or should you get a, a red brassy? Well, it's kind of six of, of one, half dozen the other. It's really the same. I do think, though, that if you're tying... Uh, I simply tie a, a red brassy because it's a lot easier. The, the Copper John has this, uh, this flashaboo wing case that's coated in epoxy. It really gives it some flash and gleam. And, and really, the, the red brassy is, is the same fly just without that. And, and that part's a little trickier to tie. If you're a fly tire, that's going to take you a little bit more time. Well, I, I don't have the time or patience. I, I just uh, tie, tie the brassy, and it seems to do really well. One of the great articles on nymphing is by a guy named Skip Morris, and he has this piece. You can Google it, and I'll put it also in the, uh, the notes uh, when we uh, launch this, this episode. Um, but he, he says this. He says, the prince nymph that killed it yesterday may be useless today yeah. because it's just an hour before the BWO mayfly hatch and the trout are busy down there scurfing up little dark nymphs, right? And so 
there's a tendency to overthink mm -hmm. this yeah. and you know the scientists and nerdy folks are you know thinking somehow that you're going to figure out how fish actually think right and if mm -hmm. you can do that um you should patent that but yeah. sometimes you don't know and something that kills it one day is not going to kill it the next day well that's true you know, speaking of uh, little patterns with some black in them, my, uh, one of my honorable mentions was a zebra midge. Uh, really, it's just a black body, tight black wire, uh, kind of like a copper john, you know, that, that sort of a, of a body. But what it has is it has some uh, bands of copper wire, just a strand that's loosely tied. And what that imitates is what's called a corona mid midge that lives in silt and mud, most lakes and streams, and they hatch year-round. But... Uh, that that could What's it uh, called? it's called a zebra midge, and and if you use that in a small pattern too, that could imitate a, a really small mayfly. So that's the thing; these midge patterns just just vary your color. Uh, they're going to do double duty. They'll they'll work for a number of different patterns. Oh, and I should mention one more um, that I I really like, and this is this is kind of a more specific. Uh, small red fly that, that you might use in place of a copper john. Uh, a guy by the name of Dave Corcoran back in the 1980s at the River's Edge in Bozeman tied uh, what he calls a Dave's Emerger. And he, he used about three different, kind of merged the best of three different fly patterns, including a red brassy. But what I like about it, it just looks different. It has these wood duck feathers for the wings and also for the tail. It doesn't have a bead head. That might be the only disadvantage. But sometimes, I'll I'll put that on just just to give the fish a different look. Huh? Yeah, the Dave's merger. Yeah. yeah. I don't think yeah. I think I have a couple of those in my fly box. Yeah, I, just, that's a I good need to fly. remember to use those. Um, sometimes yeah. you just, just stick with your go-to things. I know. And if they're working, that's fine. The problem is, you know, I know, often they're not working. That's exactly right. Well, it's time now for great stuff from our listeners. We're always glad for your feedback comments, questions, stories. Daniel Fisher made this comment on our podcast, Should You Tie Your Own Flies? He said, I actually started tying just about eight months ago, so let me share something that helped me. I found a really good YouTube series that I liked. This series of videos started by showing some of the tools, then moved on to show you how to do a couple of key skills, that is how to do a whip finish, and then had instruction on about a dozen fly patterns. The good thing about this series was the patterns tended to build on the skills you learned in the last pattern. And what I like about that comment, Dave, is that's true not only for fly tying, but just about anything to do with fly fishing. Man, the stuff that you can find on YouTube or Vimeo is, is gold because you can actually see it uh, demonstrated. It's a great way to learn. And he also updated with another comment. He said, if you search YouTube for... SC fly tying, so one word, SC fly tying. You can find the series, the YouTube series that he mentions. He says, by the way, I'm only at part six, but I'm continuing to work my way up. I would recommend watching it through a time or two. And then when I actually started, I had my iPad at the vise and would pause it at every step. Watch, pause, tie. Watch, pause, tie. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. And Said he's what been doing it for eight months, so it, it just goes to show that you can uh, uh, you can learn some of these new skills and get 
proficient enough to catch fish. I think that was a, a counter to our conversation where we thought that maybe sometimes with fly tying and learning to fly tie, you really need to be mentored. And, yeah. And, you mm-hmm. know, and he's he's been able to do it by watching a video and yeah. more power to him. That's that's actually a probably a unique way of learning. Yeah. Uh, I tend to be more of a kinesthetic learner. I have mm-hmm. to I have to do it and have somebody yeah. say, you know, this you're an idiot here. Why don't you do it this way? But um, that's really a great way to learn. I've said that many times, haven't I? Yes, you have. (laughs) (laughs) As you said it to me. So, Well, hey, that's going to do it for today. What are your top five nymphs and wet flies? We'll leave streamers for another time. Uh, But please share those with us by going to twoguysinariver.com and commenting on this podcast link. How does your list of favorite nymphs and wet flies compare with ours? You can find Two Guys in a River on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. We'd love for you to visit our podcast on iTunes and rate it. And, of course, we love glowing reviews. That's right. Actually, the reviews uh, (laughs) help others who are looking for podcasts uh, decide whether to subscribe. In fact, there's a subscribe um, button there, and if you hit that, that will help us uh, increase our subscribers. So we'd love for you to do that. And also, you can download a podcast app on your phone and receive our weekly podcast. That's how I listen to most of my podcasts. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.